Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Off you guys go as we uh, see ourselves into the afternoon here on 3 Triple FM. A very, very good afternoon to all you beautiful, beautiful people out there. Whether you're sun lovers or maybe you flee from the sun, it's, uh, it's one of those Sundays. And what a delight it is to have across from me. Matt's dead. Hello, Cameron. It's warm loud, aren't I? To myself down. Um, happy yeah. summer. Happy, <laughs> it's here. It is like it or not. Yeah, uh, it is here. But uh, wow, what a great thing to have that big ball in the sky coming out <laughs> there. Because uh, what it might do is uh, cause a little bit of evaporation over parts of eastern yes. Australia, <laughs> which are sorely needing it. Yeah, which are sorely needing it. So uh, for those that need um, their places to be dried out somewhat, enjoy that. Huge thanks to the scientists for another. Great, great show. Yes. I particularly enjoyed the uh, interview uh, from, from Antarctica, which was fantastic. And talking about whales that live for 200 years. Bowhead. I can't imagine. Imagine being it... a bowhead. Hey, <laughs> uh, it's not much to look at. Hey, Greg, uh, remember what yeah, happened? Gold. Remember 170 years ago? Yeah, yeah. All, all like it was yesterday. <laughs> all that plankton. <laughs> So much plankton, so little cool. time. Yes. Actually, there's a lot of time. And the Greenland shark, which... Was that 400 years? Anyway, oh, we yes. need to listen back. Anyway, moving forward, because yes. that's what we do here. Uh, that is our goal in life, and uh, we are here to talk to you about food. And yep. this is a show I'm very, 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 very much looking forward to. Yes. One is I have your beautiful smiling countenance across from me. Oh, thank you, Cameron. Which is uh, most lovely. Secondly, mm. you beautiful listeners have... Uh, Turned on your uh, your radios or your streams or whatever device you have, or mm-hmm. maybe you're listening to us in the future, the future, the future, the future, um, which is great. And um, we have a nutritionist, straight-talking community nutritionist. She has been described as. Has she? She has. Yes. I've seen it written down on paper, uh. well, on a screen. Rosemary Stanton. Yep. Waiting... Standing by in Barrel, New South Wales. Yes. A beautiful uh, sunny climbs on the hills of Barrel. Mm-hmm. So we look forward to having a chat to her about, uh, well, Christmas indulgences. It is the season, isn't like it? Like she's always saying, it's not everyday food, but Rosemary, we're going to eat not everyday food every day for a while. Yes. What do we do after that? It will probably be part of the way we look at things. And also, there's something that I want to ask you with. Um, Oh, you know, nutritional trends going mm. up and down and this way and that way. Mm-hmm. You know, the things we've had to deal with. How is she? What's the most um, uh, fulsome and maybe dynamic change that has happened in food nutrition in that she can remember? Yes. Question without notice, so we'll see how it goes. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, and waiting in the green room. Mm. Um, it, this is very, very um, exciting. Mm. Um, we have uh, 
Matteo, um, I've, oh God, I've lost his last name, Fucciati. Uh, Matteo Fucciati from mm-hmm. Legato Restaurant in uh, number one York Street, Fitzroy North. And um, the reason I'm talking to Matteo is that mm. it was recommended because um, Besha Ordell was on the breakfast is on mm-hmm. the 30th of September and she was talking about five great little gems in the city. Mm. And this is one of them. Yeah. yeah. So I thought we were talking a little bit of a deep dive into what makes Matteo tick. Yes. Mm. And uh, what's the place like? And also this is one of these great places that is very much as well as technique, technique in in pasta, Mm -hmm. making, cooking, but also in the ingredients and the great relationship he has with his suppliers. So Mm -hmm. we speak of Besh's little gem of a restaurant, but we might speak of Matea's little gems Mm. of of the producers. We're very lucky in this town to have a good number of... uh Places that can do Italian food just so perfectly, just just so just a, a, an amazing thing to look at and to eat. Is Pasta it? that makes you weep. Yes, that's a better way of putting it. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. You ever cried over food? Uh, not recently. Have you? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe when I was a young kid and what, I dropped my saying... fish finger or something. Oh my god, <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> I remember having a cocoa van once. Um, you know, that great French dish. Mm-hmm. And my mum used to cook cocoa there. And um, she used to do a, a pretty good job of it because she was very much attuned to the uh, the French cuisine. Did she do her own duck legs? Uh, no. Yeah, you buy them sort of. But there's no duck legs in a cocoa van. Oh, I'm thinking cassoulet. My You're apologies. Thinking ca- cassoulet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cassoulet. No, this is, this, yes. is, this is what uh, traditionally a cocoa van, this is what you did with a rooster when yes. it sort of went. You know, a bit old and mangy. Tat talons up, you know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Where's Ralph? Oh dear. Let's let's get some red wine. Red wine. <laughs> Open a bottle of red wine, yeah. and that's what you did. It was mm. one of those things where you sort of make a um, a silk purse out of a sow's ear or you know mm. dead cock, so to speak. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Mum used to make it pretty well, but then. Um, I remember a very, very good friend of mine. He might be listening today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Hennessy, you know Tim, mm-hmm. Gravity Coffee Man, yes. yeah, ex great fixer of coffee machines. Yes. If you ever need one, but he made me a, uh, a cocoa van, not just for me, it was for a group of people. And I had a big Maori chef who was next to me who used to cook at Il Salito Posto, and um, I'm eating. <laughs> Van and, I'm, and I'm having all these troubling things in my mind. I'm going, this is like my mum's cocoa van, but oh my god, it's better than my mum's cocoa van. And oh, oh, oh my god, this is great. You <laughs> start weeping into your food. <laughs> I wasn't. And, and the guy, the chef from, from uh, Il Salito from Post, goes, Hey, bro. <laughs> hey, bro, you are you crying, bro? <laughs> What's the matter, bro? And I'm going, this cocoa van is better than my mum's. He's going, oh, dude, give me, come here, bro, give me, you go, tug it out. <laughs> and it was this really emotional moment. But, uh, yeah, it was um, a delicious thing. Yes. <laughs> so there we go. Anyway, I thought I'd uh, just mention that. Ingrediapedia. Yes, is a podcast you were you were telling me about. It is Em and Ben, um, uh, who uh, we had Em and Ben on the mm-hmm. show about a month ago, mm-hmm. and uh, looking back, as they just dropped their fiftieth episode of doing this Ooh, rather nice. quirky, fabulous mm-hmm. little podcast. Um, gee, two voices 
almost work as well as ours, Matt. But <laughs> <laughs> keep at it, folks. You'll be as good as us one day. God, no. Okay, but that's that's a joke, all right? Yeah. Just so people don't think we got tickets on ourselves mm. here. Uh, but yeah, oh my God, um, M and Ben, they they just work so well to together, and they do. Um, great episodes where they just pick uh, an ingredient and yep. and have sort of these really quite and riff on it. riff obtuse discussions mm. would be um, and also really interesting historical facts. I thought I'd just mention because um, I was listening to it <clears throat> on an extended drive, mm-hmm. well, thirty minute drive, mm. perfect time. A new episode on Monday, and uh, M and Ben uh, focused their attention to ice cream and. Uh, they bring up something that I'd forgotten about. Was ice magic a big thing in your house? Oh, yes. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> it, was, it always seemed like a better idea than it actually was. So <laughs> so this is the stuff you get out of the squeezy bottle it's, it's, and you put it on ice Kof- cream. It's kofer and um, some sort of oven or maybe safflower oil. So And it's supposed to set like a choc top. Well, because that kofer has such a low um, mm, freeze point. Uh, Thank yeah. you. Mm. The, yeah, and the, it would it was like magic. Yeah, Cotty's ice magic. Don't oh, yeah, magic. you can still get it. I'm sure you probably can. Yeah. So anyway, they um, they talk about that and also the uh, the Magnum's Seven Deadly Sins range, and uh, I think it actually makes ice cream for Ben. But I don't want to spoil too much of it. Uh, it's around Ingrediapedia. It's um, a quite an amusing sort of uh, thing, I yeah. think. And uh, I, you were sort of reluctant to do this, but you were saying to me that you had nailed your breakfast this morning. Look, and I, I thought, seeing we're you know, talking about food. Yeah, why not? No, go on. Why not? What did you have for breakfast? Um, I reckon there's an art yeah. to a toasted sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't slap that thing together. No. No. So uh, this morning we went with the very traditional yes. ham, cheese, tomato, toasty. But I think that. D- dare I say mm. the quintessential. Yes, it's kind of it's like one of those quint. Yeah. It's, it's like your vanilla ice cream of toasted sandwiches, isn't it? Yes, it's it's the default. It's meal one, as you it might is. say. Oh, yes, it is too. It is too. Um, my top tips uh, to nail your toasted sandwich. First one is, uh, uh, no, it sounds very obvious. Ingredients. Um, <laughs> got Matteo coming on soon. I mean, he's that's what he's going to talk about. Good tomatoes. So uh, if you go to your local greengrocer, uh, increasingly you can get the little mangled-looking beef heart-style tomatoes or ox heart tomatoes. The wrinkly ones. The, get the wrinkly ones. Yeah. Or, they, or like uh, what a uh, John has also the Rouge de Maman. Oh, of course, yes. Rouge. John would hook you up with a beautiful yeah. tomato. Yeah, you want, what do you want it for? <laughs> As he asks, interrogates people. I want to make a sandwich, please, John. Yeah, so, so anyway, good tomato, good and tomato. obviously tomato's coming into season. Yes. Uh, good cheese. Yes. Now, if you want to learn a little bit about cheese, I think the, the Bible of the toasted sandwich was written a few years ago by our good friend Darren Purchase. Uh, he authored oh, a book called uh, Chefs Eat Toasties 2. Yes. And there's an entire like couple of pages on there around different types of cheese and what you look for in... God, you know, do you want it, that book, yeah. Do you want it to go brown and bubble or do you want it to stretch or what do you want yeah, it you to want do? Yeah, you or... want it stringy, you want it to be like napalm and give you third degree burns. Yeah. Hey, what do you want? So I just went Swiss cheese because okay. it's a good, good, um, good pairing with ham, cheese and tomato. Uh, yes. A bit of Dijon mustard is optional <gasps> but recommended. Dijon mustard, yeah, my no. God. That's avant-garde. Okay. And wow. then my last tip for your ham, cheese, tomato toast is you've got to season it season. well. Season. Season the tomato, salt and pepper as you uh, assemble it and, and whack it under the gorilla. And you're a gorilla guy because um, mm. me, I'm a um, 
Um, I'm too cheap to buy myself a, a sandwich press. Oh, if you had a sandwich press, that'd be perfect. But who, yeah. who has the room in the kitchen for a... Well, I, I have the, um, uh, the sandwich press hack, mm. we could say, mm. which is uh, where you need uh, two pans. One of, of work with me on All this, right. that yep. have the, yep. pretty much the same <clears throat> internal radius. Yes. So one will fit inside the other. Mm. You see what I'm getting so at you here? Think it's like a frying pan? I so you have, that. say, a frying pan yep. and then um, a soup pot or something like That'll that. That'll sit on top. That'll sit on top. So what you do, because the sandwich press has weight which yeah. compresses yes. the sandwich, Yes. we can uh, duplicate that weight. By using a layer of uh, an unsuspecting pot, uh, yeah, but you have the bake-proof paper yes. so that you're not having all the grilgy bottom yeah, of the pan because yeah, yeah. that's not very nice. That's not very nice. It <laughs> has all these really terrible specks in it. So you have that, and then you fill it with warmish water, wait which dinner. then ah. increases density, which yep. then for it increases weight, yep. which then weights it down. Ah, I might try that next time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and and you can get really uh, in detail, like you can fold the thing so you get the perfect circle of the baking paper. But that's, you know, if you you know, <laughs> otherwise you can just fold it and sort of rip it a bit. Yeah. But that's basically it. And then you do it um, medium. Yes, would also be the thing. And uh, if you talk to Anthea Femnia mm-hmm. from Maker and Munger, he would tell you that the best toasted sandwiches are made with stale bread. Oh, it does make some sense. Yeah. Maybe not stale, but just, yeah, not, not soft and fresh. Not soft, especially like with sourdough. Like a lot of sourdough loaves are almost useless um, for the first day or mm. so. There you go. Controversial. <laughs> it's controversial. How about we just leave it hanging like that? Um, oh, I need to. Yeah, we're going to play some music. I am going to do some music. This is one of those. Um, we've, uh, we've left it a little bit late this year. Yes. You know, but uh, we thought. Hey, we play this every year. So he's porn over pyros and pets. Ah, Remy Restaurant. Very much a friend of the show, Mm. Joseph Abud and Joe. Um, Oh, my seat seems to be sinking. (laughs) (laughs) You're having issues with your gas leaf. (laughs) I've got a sinking seat. Uh, Anyway, but uh, that doesn't matter. We shall carry on resolutely and uh, it does not apply to you. This is such a weird feeling. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, folks. 12.21. Yes. Two. Let's get serious. Come yes. on. and Because we, we're just about to talk about some serious issues here. Rosemary Stanton is on the phone. She's a bit bemused going, what is the matter with your gas lift? I don't know, Rosemary, but a, a very, very good afternoon to you. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, Cam. And yes, I was vaguely amused, but also yeah, perplexed. But yes, I know. Oh, it's just one of those things where you have an adjustable seat, and sometimes it's like someone slowly letting the air out of your oh, tyres okay. while you're sitting. Uh, that's the the feeling I have. But seeing that I have you on the phone, uh, my heart is singing, and uh, I'm in, inflating with with great joy. Um, have we found you well? You have indeed, yes. Has uh, you. barrel started to dry out um, at all? Is it still sort of wet where you are? Uh, well, no, I live sort of um, about half an hour from barrel. And our oh, road, sorry. Our main road was closed for five months, which we thoroughly enjoyed. It's a main road. It was wonderful. We could walk up and down the road. We discovered all kinds of creeks and gullies and things really? you never see when you drive up and down. Oh, how divine. Well, yeah, no I'm sorry. Accidents. 
No yeah. accidents for all that time. There's been three since. <laughs> so beautiful uh, observations from adversity, um, climactic <laughs> adversity. Rosemary, um, the obvious question, first of all, um, we have listened to you for um, quite a few footy seasons now and we love hearing you. And uh, the great thing that you say to us that is sort of stuck in my mind um, you know, pretty much uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, the the whole thing is to go down that beautiful middle road of eating and indulgence. And some things are not everyday food, but this is the month when all those things get thrown at the wall. It is indeed. You know, look, I, I don't think anything should ever be banned from the diet. The moment no. something is banned, it's what you absolutely can't think in, about. You know, can't think about anything else. So someone says. Sorry, you can't have any more chocolate or bread or whatever on earth it is that you like. That's what you want. So that doesn't work. Um, and yes, but it is the time of the year, and I think it's all the all the parties. Now, mm. fortunately, it seems to no longer be socially acceptable um, to actually sort of not drink a lot of alcohol. I mean, yeah. these days, if if it, I mean, I have a problem in that if I yeah, drink right. alcohol before I've eaten anything, it really just goes straight to my head, and it's not a good idea. Yes. So I always start off with a glass of sparkling water, mm. and I'll say, look, I'll have a I'll have a glass of wine later, but I do I've got to wait till I've eaten something first. Mm. And um, it used to be that people would look at me as if I was completely odd. Now they think. Oh, Okay, I might have one too. You know, half the half the rooms having glasses of sparkling water before they start drinking, um, and that, that sort of you know, I think things have been a bit better in the drinking area. And so, and also as um, as people are um, say at a dinner or a lunch and things like that, um, it has become very very acceptable now to have a sip of water and then yeah. sip of wine and then sip of of water. Um, and I reckon that has certainly been um, a change, as you say. It's um, it's moved into the the our cultural reality more and more, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, you're not considered a you know total weirdo if you do that. Yeah, <laughs> true. Mean, my children laugh at me because whenever there's anything really rich, they say, "Mum, will only want a small bit." <laughs> that, that's true, but but I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a hugely big person, and I don't need mm. nearly as much food as somebody who's six feet tall and weighs eighty kilograms. You know. <laughs> Here's an interesting thing. We're all different and we're all built differently and we all have sort of different metabolic rates and things like that. How is someone supposed to work out the calorific input that they should be having every day? Well, I guess you can tell by your weight. Um, I mean, as I've got older, this you know right. this doesn't this doesn't earn me a lot of friends. Yes. I, as I've mentioned before, I often go off on you know hiking for a couple of weeks, and I always come back a bit lighter. I eat as much as I can, but if you're going to go hiking for two or three weeks, you will come back lighter. Yes. Now, in the past, my weight would come back to normal, you know, quite normally. Now I have to really hard. It's really hard. I have to strive these days, and I'm still. I've just booked a walk for. 300 kilometres next year, and um, wow. my husband and myself, we go off. We're going to go from one end of the Outer Hebrides to the other, just by ourselves, you know, sort of um, walking. But it's really Can hard now for me to regain the weight, and that's, I don't know, just because I'm, you know, nearly 79 years old, and maybe that's the problem. Rosemary, <laughs> that's amazing. Trying. Yeah, it's, but I used to be able to gain, you know, just go back to my normal weight, my appetite would be a bit better. Now, you know, I stick in the nuts as much as I can and the avocado. I don't actually like cakes and biscuits, so that doesn't work. Um, I'm happy to have a piece of chocolate sometimes, but, you know, I go for... 
for bigger servings of things, but it just takes me ages. So now I struggle to get the weight back on because I don't want to be a really scrawny old thing. Um, and I want to keep, you know, going off on my, my hikes. It's on one your of the hikes. I like doing. Yeah. Um, you you realise there's probably a lot of people just sort of not shouting at the radio, but going... Um, how do we put this, Matt? Um, that they'd be saying... Um, Gosh, I wish I had that problem. What do you say? Yeah, oh, look, that's true. People people do say that. And yet, um, you know, I, I notice with some of my friends that it seems to be a problem as you get older. And, of course, as you get older, it's not so bad to have a little bit of extra weight. You can't afford to be too scrawny, you know. I mean, it's just not good for you. So, mm. you know, all those young people who are thinking, what am I going to do? Well, just eat so you get old in the first place and then you'll be able to sort of eat a bit more without it being a problem. Yeah, wow. That's, that's if you keep active, you know, Look, it really is physical activity. I play tennis four or five times a week, and one of the women I play with, who's 92 years old, wow. still is the most amazing... I mean, she's been a crack tennis player, but she is still an amazing tennis player. And I say, why do you like playing... You know, you're still playing tennis. She still... You know, she doesn't run as well as she used to, but she's very good at putting the ball exactly where she wants it, and if I could do a backhand like hers, I'd die happy. Really? Um, but, is she, but, is know, she a, just a demon at the net, too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, but she just says she keeps playing yes. because it keeps her on her toes, literally. You know, And I think, well, she enjoys it, she plays, but physical activity is the clue because, as I mean, I live surrounded by farmers. Now, the farmers around here, if they want to fatten up their animals, mm. no use just giving them extra food. I mean, if you give horses extra food, they'll eat it, I know. But for most other animals, if you give them extra food, they won't eat it unless you put them in a small space. Put them in a confined space so they can't just wander around and walk all the time. Yeah. Um, and they will, you know, eat far more and get on get the fat. So it's not that the calories sort of get burnt up so much with the exercises. The mm. exercise normalises your appetite. So, you know, you sort of... Um, what we need to do at this time of the year, I think, is basically a bit more exercise. So, you know, if you, you don't have to sort of carry on and think, oh, goodness, I just ate... You know, ex, ex that second there, piece of I've cake, to yeah. Walk for two hours. It's just that if you try and make it a regular part of your day, you can walk, you can swim, you can dance, you can, you know, a lot of people dancing is a good exercise for them. Dance they can exercise. Do it whenever yeah. they like. You yes. don't have to go to the gym. You can just sort of, but do something if you want mm. to sort of have your appetite keeping pace with um, what your body needs. It gets back to that doesn't whole... Work when the, well, it doesn't work when the exercise is a bit excessive, like my two or three, three weeks walking in the mountains. It doesn't quite work. Um, a very, very quickly, before I get on to uh, next and final question, um, is the, the Hebrides. Are we talking about the, the islands around Scotland? Did yeah, those Hebrides? the west of Scotland. Yeah, I went there once before, oh. 10 years ago, and thought it was so beautiful. So we're going to start at one end and we're going to walk to the other end. Rocky crags everywhere. Um, yeah, yes, well, and beautiful. Uh, it's absolutely gorgeous, yeah. Yep. And and do you enjoy a dram of whiskey every now and then? Um, I'd rather have wine, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, right. but over okay. there you've got to you've got to try the whiskey because they really do it well. Yeah, reflective uh, whiskey. Okay, now here comes one. This is Rosemary. This is completely without notice, um, but I I thought I might just throw this at you. So. One of the things that um, personifies nutrition and nutrition information from all the different spheres that we have of influence, um, things have changed. You know, like uh, for a while, butter was good for you, and then we all ate margarine, and then butter became good for you again, and then we were eating the whole eggs, and then we were eating just the yolks of the eggs, and then they said, no, no, it's not the yolks, we need the whites of the eggs, and now we eat the eggs again together again, and then olive oil can becomes good. 
my question is, over your years of looking at foodstuffs and nutrition, um, what have been the biggest changes you've witnessed and changed the way you have regarded your subject of nutrition? Well, the biggest change is that, you know, some of us have been eating butter all the time and eggs all the time because the official, the official uh, well, we did tell people not to eat butter in this country, our guidelines did, but we mm. never told them not to eat eggs. And the biggest change I've seen is that people now get their information from sources that aren't really particularly good. Um, so that they take notice of what someone said on the internet, what somebody said on a radio program, someone yeah. who didn't know about it. So they're not going to the experts. The experts have been saying for as long as I've been in this business, don't eat too much sugar, don't eat too much fat, don't eat too much salt, um, eat your fruit and vegetables, choose whole grain breads. You know, none of that information has changed. And we never hmm. in Australia told people not to eat eggs. I know the Heart Foundation did. Yep. Um, but the, the official guidelines didn't. Hmm. Um, so that I think that these days people get their information from very strange sources. And very often they're from people, the information comes from people who are selling products. And hmm. that is the problem, and it starts with infant formula, and it goes right through to people telling you that something or other is terrifically good and wonderful, when really, it isn't. You know, so yes. we need to make sure we get the information from a source, from somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. Who might have studied the subject, hmm. not somebody who's being employed by someone, uh, or they're getting That's money. It. Now we That's have influencers, you know, so, yeah. who tell people to eat all these supplements and a whole lot of stuff, and so I see a lot of money being wasted on rubbish being promoted by people with no expertise really in the area. So they sound convincing. So, so that's, that's been the biggest uh, change that I've seen. So turmeric isn't going to save the world? No, I'm afraid it isn't, but it'll be good, it'll be good in your curry. <laughs> <laughs> great, great advice. And uh, overlaying all of that is um, keep moving. Uh, yeah, keep moving, keep enjoying food, uh, cook yourself rather than having some, you know, don't get everything out of a packet, read the label. Mm. If it, uh, I've been saying for, well, since the 1960s, if the product, well, you didn't have anything on the label then, we yes. had to fight to get the information on the label. And thank you but, for that, Rosemary. <laughs> but if, if the product has anything in it you've never heard of, put it back and choose something else. It's really quite simple. It's all those sort of added... I mean, now the information is coming in because nutrition's a fairly young science, you know. Um, mm. Some of the vitamins have only been... The, the mechanisms and what they do have been discovered, certainly in my lifetime. Yeah. So that uh, we, we get more information, and that information is increasingly telling us that the highly processed, ultra-processed sort of rubbish that we're all eating, it's not just that it's got too much sugar, salt and fat. It's got the, the way it's processed, the way it's packaged, the way the ingredients are combined and what that does to the poor little bugs in your intestine, the good bugs I'm talking about. Yeah, so, you know, we really do need to get back to eating real food, enjoying real food, um, the right amount for you that balances with the amount of physical activity you have and, above all, enjoy it. Wow. Great advice. Rosemary, as always, you're able just to, uh, to cut to the heart of the matter and uh, explain it so well. And we so appreciate uh, that you give us the, uh, the ability to discuss these things with you. Can I just from the bottom of my heart thank you for taking the time to join us. If we don't speak to you beforehand, uh, when, when are you going to the Hebrides? It's uh, not for a while. Not till April, yep. Oh, well, hopefully we'll, we'll have a chat to you beforehand. But have a marvellous Christmas and uh, I hope you still enjoy those uh, walks around and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and may your backhand improve. 
Yeah, well, I'm not stopping yet. I can't, I can't retire till I find the cheesel tree. <laughs> okay, the cheesel tree. That's good. Well, I'll be working till the day I die, I think. Good. Well, it's good to have a holy grail. Uh, Rosemary, thank you so much. A joy to chat. Thank you. Bye. Rosemary Stanton. Hey. I'm not sure I could walk 300 kilometres. Yeah. But anyway. My God. Good luck to her. That is just amazing. Mm. So um, there you go, folks. Uh, Matt was writing furiously um, as uh, Rosemary was talking because she speaks such great truth, doesn't she? Yeah, and, you know, as we've said, the, the nutrition isn't really that hard. Just just eat sensibly and eat in moderation. It, 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 recall, it brings to mind an American phrase, we, re, we regard these truths as self-evident, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, or as uh, maybe um, uh, Gen Z would say, or maybe some of us, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have caught myself in the, in the supermarket aisle looking at the ingredients lists now and just avoiding the, the numbers. And then you, you determine there are some, certain numbers that are very hard to avoid in certain food stuff. So, mm. Yes, good advice. So you've um, you've you've taken the ball and run with yeah. it that, uh, from Rosemary Stanton's wonderful yeah. nutritional hand pass. Twelve thirty six here on three triple R FM. Matt, did you want to play some more music? Some music, perhaps, Cameron. Maybe a little interlude, and uh, and then we have Matteo, who's gonna we're going to talk about the Italian cucina and uh, your ability to discover that in this area around. Well, Fitzroy. Mm. Yeah, hit it. Welcome back to 3 Triple RFM. It is a glorious afternoon out there. Uh, the sun is shining. I hope you've got your picnic... Uh, well, not baskets, because we know you should have a picnic basket. P- picnic eskies, barbecue going, or taking Rosemary Stanton's advice and just getting out there and having a walk. Uh, one person who has come in here, and it's an absolute delight to meet him and have him in, is uh, Matteo, and excuse me if I murder your uh, pronunciation <laughs> of your second name, uh, Fulciati. Yeah, almost, Fulciati. Fulciati. Chiati. Yes. One day I'll get Italian right. Uh, from uh, Legotto Restaurant here, yeah, 1 York Street, uh, Fitzroy North. Um, the reason that, um, that you're on is that uh, uh, Besha Ordell uh, has named you one of her favourite little gems of the city thanks to a talk on Breakfasters, which, uh, dear listener, if you want to listen to, was on the 30th of September. So... You have beguiled Besha with uh, of what you do there, so congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, let's have a little bit of a chat about um, Legato. First of all, it's yeah. uh, named after a dog. Yeah, it is. It is named after a Italian breed dog who is famous for uh, Hans the truffle. So he's a, oh, it's truffle, a truffle dog. Yeah, he's a truffle hunting dog. Oh, okay. It's also yeah. a water dog too, like yeah. a water spaniel. Yeah, it is. So is it also like a retriever as well? Yeah. Okay. They look really, really cute. If you've mm. never seen yeah, a legato, um, they look like a, a lot of the uh, spoodles and doodles and <laughs> groodles and whatever. Um, but it, it's its own dog. You know, it's uh, it's gone. So that was the the is the name of the the restaurant. Yeah. You have a fabulous Italian heritage, born in Parma. Yes. A town of beautiful DOC produce techniques, um, a, a great culinary town in one of the most beautiful culinary countries in the world. When did you come to Australia? 
So I came to Australia in 2013. Yes. So almost 10 years ago. Yes. Now. And um, you when did you decide you wanted to cook? To be honest with you, like uh, cooking was always my passion since mm. I was very, very young and I pursued a different career at mm. the time of my life. And What was that? Uh, I was working as a social worker, so I was working with people with disability. Yes. So a completely different field. Yeah. But and uh, but yeah, was the voice of your nonna was in your in your. Yeah, to be honest, I always grew up on cooking. To be honest, like most of probably Italian of my age, you know, you mm. see my grandmother cooking. They both like absolutely great cooks as well. So, you know, um, is your nonna still alive? Yeah, <gasps> they both live and they really? both they both still cooking. Really, my nonna is one of them. She's like almost. Uh, I think almost 90 now, and these years she still made, like, lasagne, yes. capelletti. She loves cooking. Really? Yeah, she still makes her own bread, like, basically two, three times a week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, and what, what are, well, I think you've just told me about two things that have certainly stuck with you because you love making lasagne, yeah? <laughs> Yeah, I do. I do. My wife loves eating lasagna, to be honest. So that's why one of the biggest reasons why it's a happy coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the things you do with your lasagna is that you put uh, spinach. So you make a. It's a green lasagna. Yeah, because that's uh, as again coming back from my heritage and my grandmother cooking. My grandmother always used the green lasagna. Mm. So that's for me. That's what what a, a traditional lasagna is that's what lasagna should be for me at least because i think the spinach they add a, a great texture to the pasta as well mm. they not do much for the flavor but they like having the, the pasta itself has like this great texture and mm. it doesn't get so soft as well so really yeah that's funny i would have thought that putting like a wet sort of leaf in there would um would actually make it... Um... Yeah, no, actually change slightly the texture of the pasta. So yes. it actually makes it almost firmer. And um, just kind of quickly, when, you, when you're doing, making a, a, a spinach pasta sheets, yeah. um, when, do, when do you put in the, um, the spinach and how is the... You have to really squeeze so, it out. So, yeah, you... normally what you're doing with the spinach, you blend them. Mm. Refresh them like in uh, in icy water so yep. they preserve the color yep. nicely because that's what you want. Yeah. yeah. Then now at the restaurant we do use like Thermomix rubber cook to blitz them, uh. but you know my grandmother doesn't. She, she didn't, didn't have she, she didn't have had a rubber cook or a Thermomix, you know. And so yeah, you can just cut them very very finely and mm. just incorporate it to the dough when you put in the eggs. Normally, mm. you mix your eggs with the spinach, and then yes. you egg the eggs and spinach dough into the flour. Imagine trying to get your nonna to use a Thermomix. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's not even oh, worth that. Really funny. Stop it. That's too funny. Um, the, uh, the, the restaurant uh, that uh, you are at now, how, how long have you been cooking there? I've been at Lagotto for uh, almost two years now. Two years. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, it was a beautiful journey. It is still yeah. a beautiful journey. And and you uh, were working, you worked a little bit in Lake House for yeah, a while, yeah? I did a stage at the Lake House. I was lucky enough. With to, Ella? Yes, to have the opportunity to stay there for a month. Yeah. So that was in 2009. Beautiful I part believe. of the world. Yeah, it was beautiful. I love this. So mm. To be honest, it's such a, such a great spot. 
And Osteria Lara as yeah, well. I work uh, two years at Osteria Lara almost. Unfortunately, that was when COVID hit. Yeah. So, you know, it was a bit of a challenging time, but we did have a lot of fun. We were doing like Providor boxes, take mm. home food. So, still. Did, you, did they teach you anything new at, um, at the Osteria? Mm, yes, absolutely, absolutely. To be honest, like my philosophy in all the places that I was working in, Mm. I was always trying to, you know, absorb as much as I yeah. could. You know, like that's... maybe not 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 everything's gonna be perfect, but no. like you know, there are some certain recipes, some certain technique. But we're or, always learning, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that for me, all the experience that I've done in my career, they give me the opportunity to be where I am now. So. Mm. And um, and now, so you you have uh, you're working uh, at this place, Legato, yeah. and um, it's been described, and I think you describe it too, is something that is very very much as well as great technique, great technique, but really fabulous ingredients and relationships with beautiful suppliers of great yeah. food. Yeah, yeah. I think honestly, having a great relation with supplier and using great product is probably like 80 percent no in cooking at least that's that's my belief you know having like be able to be on first name with like all of your supplier you know be able to call them weekly to Mm. see you know what's what's in season what they reckon is good to use this week or what's gonna be great in a couple of weeks you know so i think relationship with supplier is something that i always love of my job you know is a part of my job that like i really really like who i know this is like trying to find a, a favorite child and you know we shouldn't really pick a favorite child because all the children are beautiful yeah. but is there particularly people that come through the doorway of your uh, establishment that makes you your eyes light up because you've got very sparkly up. eyes at the moment <laughs> uh, that's one thing about you but uh, also, just a big grin when people, special people, come in through the kitchen. Mm, as a supplier, mm. yes, we do have. To be honest, like every time the guys from Daywalks Farm coming in. Which farm? Daywalks. Yes, Daywalks Farm. I've been using them since a while now. We were using them in uh, Osteria Lari as well, and then I got them on board with me and at Lagotto. Yes, and they produce like amazing vegetable. To be honest, like. Their salad mix is one of the things that we received the most compliment of me. Really? Everyone said, oh, this salad was beautiful. Yeah, you know, so beautiful, beautiful leaves. Yeah, beautiful leaves. They, like, and select them as well. So definitely them will be one of them. Yes. I have a great relationship with the, uh, uh, Peter Stale as well. He's a truffle farmer. So it produced, is one of the now, few. Now you've got my attention. This is one thing I wanted to yeah. talk to you about. He's one of the few white truffle producer, so he has this beautiful white truffle which we use for like almost two two months and, in a and, row. And two months. Yeah, yeah. It was a great it. yeah. It was a great production. We actually went with all the team to visit his farm as well. Hmm. That was such a beautiful experience. It was the first time for me visiting like a truffle farm as well. So, so was, can I ask a question? Yeah. Because I'm uh, the listener is always learning, and and we are always learning. And one thing that has become mainstream because we knew it had become mainstream when you can get a chip packet that has truffle flavored chips, yeah. and I think McDonald's made a truffle hamburger which we'll just put to the side 
the white truffle is like Moby Dick. It's like the white whale <laughs> that we, you know, that we we seek. And uh, in all my times being walking on this planet, I, I've I've never tasted a, a white truffle. And to hear that. Uh, the white truffle actually grows here in Australia it kind of astounded me for a start and annoyed me because I like to think that I know stuff. The the black truffle has a symbiotic relationship with oak trees and hazelnuts. What yes. does the white truffle grow next to? Uh, oak tree. It's oak tree yeah. as well. Yeah, oak tree. I like. I don't want to make a mistake. Or Peter, Peter will send me a message and say that I say the wrong thing. So, yeah. Oh. I, I do believe there are oak trees. There well. are oak trees, yeah. yes. And uh, they're around for about two months and you sell them and that's the middle of winter? Mm, yes, they were on. The yeah, c- they were on like a couple of months ago, so yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, all right. Well, and uh, all right. Well, so it, put that in your diary, folks, because you do special dinners with white yeah, truffle. Yeah, we did. Uh, we ran it for like a month and a half on uh, every Thursday night. We mm. did truffle with friends. Yes. So a, a similar installment to what we normally do on a Sunday, which is called Pass with Friend. Yes. So a set menu, uh, there was a set menu designed around truffle. Mm. So all the dishes had truffle in some sort of way, of uh, course. Okay. So, and then, yeah, it was actually, was we were super impressed because we decided to try, to give it a try. Mm. And it was so well um. received, to be honest, that we were amazed. So... We were definitely going to do it again next oh, year. Well, that's something to look forward to. So, and as well as that, so we have truffle that we put up here on a on a pedestal. But there was also another thing that I hadn't heard of, which is again, excuse my pronunciation, spigarello. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a, a green. Yeah, spigarello is a is a leafy leafy green. So it's like a rapid chimney. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, like a it's, it's like a chimney di rapa. Basically, yeah. it's the same family of the broccoli. Ah. So, but it only has leaf on it. Doesn't mm. have the actual broccoli. And that was a beautiful product from the guys from Daywalks, and yes. they do grow all the product organically as well. So, just the flavor was amazing. Yeah. And we serve it next to our uh, wagyu rump. Yes. So as part of the garnish, so yeah, it was great. Or sometimes we did it with the pasta as well. We did the spaghetti with the vongole and the spigarello. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it sounds great. And um, I also have to uh, uh, make a reference of how you have a great influence from your your nonna and and your nonnas, sorry, and uh, and their cooking. And I think one of the probably one of the things that must be one of your most treasured things you have you have your one of your nonna's pasta cutters indeed or, look, yeah. or like four of the ones that we're currently using are from belonging from my nonna's and they're probably like 60 years old as well and are they brass yeah you they... can tell because they're all brass and the yeah. brass you know after such a long time mm. it's still it's still perfect because it doesn't rust or anything but no. you can slightly change the color to a darker color yes so yeah this is a, a, a beautiful old relic. Yeah. Um, if we're out and about and we um, we see um, a pasta, how much money should we spend on dried pasta? And how do we know if dried pasta is, is going to be good as opposed to just a very, very cheap product? So to be honest, honestly, like um, dried pasta, is a, it is a bit tricky hmm? for me as well. Like normally I will go for something artisan as much as I could yep. and bronze extruded. As and, well. and you'll be able to tell how good the pasta is by running your thumbnail along the the top of it to see if it's got that 
Yeah, that's definitely could be one of one of the factor. You know, it has some sort of like rigidity on top. Yes. That you know, it means that it, sh- it should be extruded with the bronze extruder yeah. normally. Because if you just do plastic, it's just smooth and the source has nothing yeah. to stick to. Yeah, exactly. And Especially if, if you do using like a sort of a sauce as well. You know, it yeah. could be a ragu or whatever sauce you're making. You know, like the how the pasta is coating the mm. sauce. It is very very important for the final. Okay. Texture. Uh, twelve fifty-eight. Actually, it's around about twelve fifty-nine. We don't have much time at all, mm-hmm. but in the maybe one minute that we have left, what do you cook when you uh, you come home and maybe still hungry? And um, what is what is the the food that you love doing at, at home? So at home, like normally, like we finish very late at night mm. time. So I'm not doing many cooking late at night time. But normally, I always do a bit of cooking on my day off. Mm. And um, I do love cooking pasta at mm. home still. I do love making fresh pasta, cooked pasta. Mm. I do love seafood as well. So I normally go to to the Victoria Market. It's one mm. of my favorite. Just grab a bit, uh, like some could be anything like do a nice piece of tuna and do mm-hmm. a crudo mm. or you know grabbing some calamari and make a beautiful pasta or some fresh prawns i do really like seafood yeah. i do eat a lot of seafood when i can seafood and linguine yes yeah wow yeah. but tell i'm getting the wind up from matt he does this he goes come on we got to finish we've got a new show coming on uh, next door they're ready to go mateo what a pleasure it is to see you thank uh, you uh, and the restaurant is called legato Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.